Hello, boys and girls. This is another manager memo. This one coming to you from Brian Hen, manager of the Delaware Blue Hens, otherwise known as the team that got first this last week. I am coming here to do a little manager memo on one of the most frustrating players that I have dealt with in uh, Dynasty so far, and that would be Mr. Trey McBride. Let me tell you tell you a little bit about Trey McBride. Trey McBride was a second-round pick in the NFL draft. I believe he went 55th overall to the Arizona Cardinals. He went to Colorado State University, has a ton of records uh, for tight ends at Colorado State, Uh you know, was was a highly regarded, you know, tight end pick in the 2022 draft. He was a John Mackey Award winner, which is given to the best uh, tight end in college football. Uh, he won that in 2021, so right before he was drafted. You know, had, had a good amount of hype coming in, high draft capital. He fell all the way to the middle of the third round in our startup, in our, or in rather in our rookie draft in 2022. So I, I took him with the uh, fifth pick of the third round in 2022. Felt like that was a steal. I remember walking out of that draft being shocked that I got Trey McBride that late. And that was about uh, when the good times ended. I uh, stashed him you know, on my taxi squad last year. Didn't feel like I needed him to be starting for me figured you know tight ends typically take a little while to develop in the nfl especially rookies you know it it, it's going to be a little while he's not going to be a a fantasy contributor right away so um and not to mention the cardinals had gotten zach Ertz before last year um even though Ertz was old i figured you know he's probably going to get the lion's share of the uh of the targets at the tight end position for the cardinals that turned out to be the case um and just to to kind of quickly give you guys a run through of of what uh, Trey McBride's rookie season looked like. Um, he had a total of nine games in 2022 where he scored less than one fantasy point. And all nine of those games, he did actually play. In a couple of them, he had snap percentages as high as 91%. Uh, so he, he was involved but was getting absolutely no uh, you know, no production. In the vast majority of those games, he was never even targeted when he was on the field. So, you know, through week, call it week 12 of last year, uh, his highest fantasy output output was 3.9 points. He had seven games where he scored zero. He had two other games where he scored less than, than one fantasy point. It was really rough. The Cardinals go on by week 13 of last year. They come back, you know, this is our, our season is essentially over at this point, or I should say my season was essentially over at this point. Uh, so, you know, kind of stopped, you know, worrying about how Trey McBride was doing for the rest of the year. So in his last five games of last year, he kind of turned it around a little bit. I believe Zach Ertz was injured for a stretch of time towards the end of the year. Uh, so he got a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more look. So he put up 4.3 points, 7.5 points, 3.2 17.3 and then 5.6. So I come out of, you know, last year feeling really really good about him. He stays on my taxi squad all off season. I'm thinking, you know, Zach Ertz is old, he was injured, you know, he didn't produce as well last year. There's no way that the Cardinals don't just cut Zach Ertz and give Trey McBride the starting tight end position. So I hold on to him. I wasn't really even involving him in any trade talks. He was, he was, you know, not untouchable, but he was, you know, somebody that I definitely wanted to hold on to. Um, 
And uh, lo and behold, the uh, Cardinals decide not to cut Zach Ertz. So Zach Ertz starts this season as the Cardinals' starting tight end, and it's looking like an exact repeat of last year. Trey McBride's uh, you know, first five games this year, um, he scored a combined 11.5 fantasy points across five games, uh, and he never once had a snap, sh- snap percentage above 51%. Uh, the majority of those games are in, in the 20s and 30s. So he was very clearly a tight end, too, on, you know, on an average to bad offense. So you know, there was no way that he was you know, getting the, the type of production that I was looking for. And obviously, with him not being eligible for my taxi squad, he was all of a sudden taking up, you know, taking up a spot on my bench. And I knew uh, you know, I had Jake Ferguson. Um, you know, he's been my starting tight end this year. I believe Jake Ferguson was going on by... Uh, yep, Jake Ferguson was going on by in week seven, and I didn't have another tight end that I liked on my roster, so I figured, you know, I'm, I I don't want to have to start Trey McBride the week that he's off. Nobody's going to want him because he's been so terrible this year, and he's a backup to Zach Ertz. You know, he'll be available if I ever wanted him in the future, but, you know, I don't, I don't need him for right now. So I, I make the really tough decision to drop Trey McBride. I liked him a lot. Uh, to go pick up a backup tight end, I think I got Logan Thomas, um, you know, to fill in for, for Ferguson's bye week. Uh, so I, to, to put this in perspective, I dropped Trey McBride after week five, but before week six. So keep in mind, like I said, he scored 11 and a half points through the first five games of, of this season without having a snap share above 51%. In the three games he has played since, I dropped him week six, week seven, and week eight. He has he has scored a combined thirty three point one points, and has never had a snap share that's less than fifty three percent. He has gotten more targets in uh, these three. I think he's had like four or five times as many targets in the th- the last three games as he got in the first five games combined including a 14-target performance against Baltimore this last weekend. He had 10 catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. It's absolutely disgusting. I, uh, I'm i appalled by how he's performed. And to me, it's just like, of course it has to be the next three weeks. It, this would feel so much better for me if this breakout had happened, you know, weeks 12, 13, 14, like I had dropped him. He'd been off my roster for two months. Like, you know, s- still would sting, but it wouldn't be quite as bad. Um, but man, this this is just really stunk. Uh, so I dropped him on October 4th. And of course, uh, my fellow Doughboy, Matt, picks him up on October 17th, um, which to me, I'm like, also stings. Like nobody even wanted him the first couple, you know, first week or two that he was available on waivers. Like he sat there. Uh, and was available for anybody to pick up uh, for for two weeks, and Matt finally uh, pounced on him and on for October seventeenth. Spent a whopping fourteen fab dollars uh, to get him on his roster, uh, and now of course he has broken out. I I must say I do feel like I've had uh, some pretty bad luck with with some of my drops that you know players that I dropped then immediately breaking out. I'm thinking of uh, Gabe Davis, our first year in the league. I drafted Gabe Davis late in the the startup draft. I loved Gabe Gabe Davis. I thought he was a superstar in the making. He never put it together. I'm going to see if I can even pull up his production from that first year. Um, Let's see if I can get it here. 
So in 2021, which would have been the first year of our draft, yep, I had him. He put up, he was never getting a snap percentage above 50%. He had two performances uh, where he got more than, the, or sorry, three, three games where he got more than uh, uh, 10 fantasy points. I dropped him in October of that year. So, you know, probably around, again, week, you know, week five, week six, week seven, somewhere in that range. You know, probably after he put up five weeks in a row without scoring more than three points. Uh, Sloan picks him up. Let's see. Two months later on December 13th, uh, after Gabe Davis has, you know, breakout performances against against Tampa Bay and Carolina that year, uh, Gabe Davis has huge postseason performances, and now he's been kind of a stalwart on, on Sloan's team ever since. I also most recently picked up, uh, had to re-pick up Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir was the same story as uh, as Trey McBride just a round later, had Khalil Shakir uh I had him picked fourth round of our rookie draft, dropped it, dropped him in uh, September, had to pick him back up in October because he finally got playing time and looked pretty good this last Thursday night. Man, it is, uh, it is frustrating being the, the manager that, uh, that drops all the players that then immediately break out. I'm sure everybody feels this way, but, man, it's been, it's been hitting me hard recently. So uh, I just wanted to hop on here. All I've got to say is hold on to your young players. Don't uh, – you know, don't think that they're they're useless too early. I uh, I I think what really got me was like three or four weeks ago on the pod, uh, Josh commended Angad for dropping. Uh, I think it was um, Isaiah Spiller uh, because Spiller had not you know really shown any anything yet, and and Josh was commending him for you know not you know essentially not uh, holding on to young players that aren't producing. Um, and I think I probably took that, that, uh, thought a little too seriously, dropped Trey McBride and now I'm regretting it. So I probably will never drop a player under 25 ever again. So, uh, this has been Brian Hen, uh, manager of, of the Delaware Blue Hens with, with a quick, um, manager memo. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Long story short, don't drop guys like Trey McBride. See you boys.